0: Sunshine. Sunshine. Sunshine.
1: Sunshine.
0: Whoa. Hey. Shining a light on Illinois State Government. Good morning. Good morning. This is, of course, full disclosure with the Better Government Association. This is, of course, your host, Trent Nelson, and we are joined as always by our lovely friend, uh, the intellectual president and CEO of the Better Government Association, David Greising. How are you this morning, sir? Good,
1: Trent. Glad to be with you.
0: Always happy to have you with us, sir. It's one of our favorite points of each week. And to get this particular session kicked off properly, we will go to some big news from Another session, the Legislature Spring Session at the General Assembly. And what can you tell us about what we have reported previously? Possible permanent extensions of the child tax credit, as 15 other states currently already have. What can you tell us, sir?
1: Well, there is an effort to revive the child tax credit. It was eliminated at the federal level some years ago. And the proposal last year that did not get approved was for a $700 per child tax credit. And now it's been reduced to $300 per child for those who have a right to the maximum credit. That is for people with family income of $75,000 or less, or a single parent with the income of $50,000 or less. And there are concerns expressed chiefly by Republicans about the cost of doing so, especially given that budgets, now that the federal COVID and related money, has dried up that budgets look to be headed towards some pretty substantial deficits over the next several years, and there is a big question about how this credit might be paid for. Sure, but
0: from what I understand, sir, and please correct us if we're incorrect, this permanent extension, the possible permanent extension anyway, it has some bipartisan supporters, does it not?
1: Yes, it does in the sense that it is a very popular credit, and it's viewed as uh, positively in some respects on both sides of the aisle. Its backers say specifically beneficial to minorities, 60 percent of whom of those who've received this credit in the past were people who identify as being either black or Latino. And so it's seen as a big equity move as well. But again, conservatives worry about the cost and uh, probably for good reason.
0: Sure, the cost of doing business always has to be accounted for, whether we want to or not. Fascinating stuff, and surely something that we will keep our eyes and ears peeled concerning over the rest of the spring legislative session. Really interesting stuff. But another piece, and this is fascinating as well, sir, we've experienced and lived through the biometric privacy law being passed, and we also have lived through challenges to that law, but... Now, from what we understand, there has been some bipartisan consideration that perhaps this biometric privacy bill was a bit too heavy to some degree. What can you tell us uh, concerning the uh, the state of this, as we've previously noted, biggest bill of its kind in any state across the country?
1: Right. State Senator Bill Cunningham, who's a Democrat of Chicago and, and really is somebody who has expertise and is really focused on rights of speech and privacy, has introduced a bill that would further protect people from their biometric data being used by companies, but at the same time protecting companies from frivolous lawsuits or unexpectedly costly litigation. Since the the original biometric privacy law was passed in 2018 there have been more than 2,000 lawsuits against companies in illinois claiming they violated the right of people to have control over their biometric data and in fact there was one huge class action payout against facebook in 2020 and so um that that was in the order of like 650 million dollars and um so cutting the hand bill would change uh, how violations are accrued, and would also uh, reduce the uh, the way that companies are charged for every single infraction, etc. So there would be changes that would make this uh, the risk of a breach uh, lower financially for companies, while at the same time continuing to protect our control as residents of Illinois over our biometric data, our fingerprint and facial recognition and other data that these companies share with each other and sometimes use for their own uh, commercial benefit.
0: Absolutely, and it does not surprise us very much, sir, when uh, when a state introduces a, a first-of-its-kind invasion. Of course, it's going to take time to smooth out the wrinkles, as it were, to get all of the nuances that we do not always consider prior to passing legislation. To get that taken care of, it is a positive thing to behold that we continue to develop this first-of-its-kind type of bill and make it easier and more equitable for all to live with. Certainly something we will also keep our eyes peeled concerning. Now, before we go to our first commercial break, sir, we'd like to talk about clean water. And the federal government has has committed a good deal of money to a nonprofit that is designed to help kickstart or or further develop, as it were, a regional clean water industry. What can you tell us about that, sir?
1: The money is coming from the National Science Foundation. It's a huge grant, $15 million up front, and as much as $160 million over 10 years to a group called Current Innovations NFP. And this is for an effort to kickstart water-related innovation and industry here in Illinois as well as in the other Great Lakes states. And the reason that Governor Pritzker and I think Tony Preckwinkle both kind of showed up to uh, publicly congratulate the head of this group current is that, you know, the state has a large interest in this, and Governor Pritzker has tried to help initiate the growth of startup industries. You'll remember some of his efforts on behalf of electric vehicles, uh, battery businesses, and now... A lot of people have said that with climate change coming and concerns about pollution overall, that Illinois is a a rational place to start establishing some more water-focused industries. And that's what this initiative, sponsored by the U.S. National Science Foundation, seems intended to do.
0: Well, that is certainly a wonderful innovation. And and those who propose that this is a, a wonderful place to start such machinations, they're correct. Because Illinois is certainly on the forefront, the front foot of many positive innovations and can't live without clean water. This is not breaking news from the president of the Better Government Association, David Greising, or from this host. We need clean water to live. Money comes and goes. But water, well, it also comes and goes. We just need to drink it. Sir, will you hang out with us? We're going to take a quick commercial break and then we're going to talk with you concerning non-citizen health care as well as the program that has begotten that continuing discussion as well as the election circumstances for Donald Trump. Are you game? Yes, sir. We'll see you in a few minutes. Excellent. We will see you in a few minutes and we will hang out with our guests in a few minutes. Hold tight. Folks, this is Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. This is your host, Trent Nelson. And we'll catch you in a hot second. Shining a light on Illinois state government. This is Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association. This is your host, Trent Nelson. And we are joined, as always, by the president and CEO of that organization. His name is David Greising. And so far, we have had the pleasure of chatting about the possible extension of a permanent child tax credit here in Illinois, we spoke about the ongoing saga over biometric privacy, whether it's our own or how businesses intersect with that 2018 bill that has, of course, gone through much litigation and innovation, as it were. We've also spoken about a nonprofit named Current, which is getting a whole bunch of assistance financially from federal sources and would help to kickstart industry in Illinois. Really great stuff, sir, but we've got to move on now to what is certainly an ongoing discussion. Everybody needs health care, including individuals who are not American citizens yet are living in the country. What can you tell us about the costs of this program that was recently began and what critics and what proponents are saying?
1: Well, uh, this it should be noted, this applies to people who are immigrants who don't have documentation. Primarily, it also applies to people who not yet received their green cards. This is not for the asylum seekers that are being sent up here by Texas Governor Greg Abbott. And Governor Pritzker a couple years ago proposed an effort to provide Medicaid-type benefits to these people age 42 and over. And the cost ended up being substantially more than originally budgeted for more than a billion dollars in the last budget. And that caused the governor to put some caps on enrollment and also introduce some co provisions. And that has caused expenditures under these programs to decline by $60 million uh, wow. since August. And we're going to see, and in fact, the numbers, the budgeted amount was actually larger than the actual expenditures And so we're starting to see some economies in this program. They're still substantial, though. It was budgeted for about a billion dollars, and it looks like it's going to come in at about $775 million for fiscal 2024. Um, But nevertheless, there has been an effort to kind of cap the cost a little bit because uh, this effort to provide these benefits, uh, A, was costing a lot of money out of pocket, and there were a lot of concerns that this would become a magnet for immigrants who are in other states to come to Illinois, which would just further expand the amount that this state is paying in order to uh, provide reasonable health care for uh, both people, undocumented immigrants, as well as people still awaiting their green cards.
0: Absolutely. And of course, uh, it is incredibly necessary, not only for individuals, but for our collective society, that people are healthy uh, so that they can function, they can work, they can take care of their families. There are all sorts of, as we always talk about, micro functions that uh, that are associated with remaining healthy. Uh, And so it's super important, but of course, keeping that cost down, uh, keeping it reasonable so that uh, it can be rationalized and justified to the citizens of the community, also super important. Sir, have you heard of the 45th president? Uh, many people have. He's always in the news for something. But as it concerns Illinois, he is still dealing with potentially not being on the, the ballot, uh, depending on what the national Supreme Court says,
1: What can you tell us about the updates? Well, the State Board of Elect has ruled against an effort to block the former President Donald J. Trump from being on the March 19th Republican primary ballot. And now a group calling itself Free Speech for People has filed to challenge that Elections Board ruling, stating that the Elections Board exceeded its authority when it ruled that Trump. Um, shouldn't be on the ballot. And they're acting asking uh, county court to intervene in order to get the name, get Trump's name off the ballot before the first batch of ballots are sent out on Thursday of this week. So they're asking really for a very expedited schedule. I don't know if they're going to get that or not. But in any event, they are seeking, this group was formed around 2010 after the Citizens United ruling by the Supreme Court, which basically re- removed any limitation on political spending. right, And they've been a fair elections advocate ever since. And they're intervening here in Illinois and no doubt active across other states where there are fights to throw Donald Trump off the presidential ballots because of the role he played in the insurrection in Washington, D.C. on January 6th of 2021.
0: Absolutely. And and sir, please correct the host if he's incorrect, but was it not so that the State Board of Elections noted that they didn't have the power to revoke him, but at the same time gave the opinion that they didn't believe that he should be
1: available to be voted for? Yes, exactly. That's exactly what their ruling was. They did express disdain for Donald Trump, but nevertheless felt that they did not have that they felt it was outside their authority to exclude him from the ballot.
0: Absolutely, and thank you for clarifying that. It must be noted by our listeners who maybe ask themselves when they hear stuff like this, well, why wouldn't it be within the realm of the state board of elections in Illinois, if an official in Maine is simply able to make the decision for themselves. It's because we essentially live in a nation which, you know, is composed of 50 different states, (laughs) which each has their own procedure. And so ours is, of course, going to be different than others, as others are different than ours. And we must Maintain some patience and also understanding that democracy is oftentimes constructed to go slower because when things go fast, things get dangerous. And so uh, we will look forward to seeing how, of course, the United States Supreme Court ends up ruling on Donald Trump's ability to stand for election across the country moving forward. And, sir, before we let you go, we have two more topics we'd like to get to real quick. One is concerning gambling, and one is concerning Governor Pritzker and the Chicago City Council. What can you tell us first off about the Hollywood Aurora Casino, since we recently spoke about the Bally Casino issues in Chicago?
1: Yeah, uh, it's quite interesting that the the, uh, city of Aurora, the second largest city in the state, uh, voted uh, just in the last few days to approve a three hundred and sixty million dollar project which will benefit from some tax increment financing and also from the fact that the city is uh, grant is giving away some land to the casino developers as well as tax abatement and so this is a rather controversial matter in aurora in part because the financial results for gambling at the existing Hollywood Casino have been going down, just like they have in many casinos across the state. It used to be when, when the project first was built that they were getting about 15, the city of Aurora was getting about $15 million in tax revenues. And lately it's been about 4 to $5 million per year, you know, in the almost 30 years since that casino first was built. And so I guess there's a hope to try to revive some of the gambling out that way. But the city now is committed to put substantial amount of city resources behind the effort. Well,
0: it is a fascinating innovation, as this host can attest to having lived in a state for many years where gambling was legal, Nevada, the major casinos or the larger institutions, they are the cream of the crop. And so folks who have uh, resources who are maybe visiting, that's where they'll go. But for folks who live in locations, oftentimes the legalization of gambling means that they go to spend their money either online with institutions or at smaller shops, smaller local casinos and gambling houses. And certainly a fascinating innovation. We'll see how the Aurora, to use a pun, gamble as it were, for tax breaks and the like will end up uh, benefiting or hurting them in the long run. Certainly interesting stuff and we appreciate you bringing it to our attention. But finally, before we let you go, so we know you're so busy and we appreciate you spending time with us. Governor Pritzker, he was not so thrilled with the Chicago City Council last week as they voted on a resolution calling for a ceasefire in the Israel-Hamas conflict. What can you tell us about that and the fallout from it?
1: Well, Governor Pritzker was at an event, an anti-violence event in Chicago last week, just as the city council had passed a resolution calling for a ceasefire and, and condemning the attacks on Gaza by the Israeli government. In the aftermath, of the horrific October 7th attack, in which about 1,200 Israelis were killed and about 240 hostages were taken. And Governor Pritzker noted that this resolution, while he didn't think it should have passed at all, it excluded any mention of, he cited, the the rape of women and the slaughter of defenseless Israelis, and he felt that if there were going to be a resolution, he didn't think there should be one to begin with. Uh, it should have mentioned that. He was asked whether this was going to be a big deal during the Democratic National Convention in Chicago this summer, and he governor noted that the vote was essentially, it was 50-50 split, and Mayor Johnson of Chicago, Mayor Brandon Johnson, had to cast a tie-breaking vote. And so the governor said, this is hardly an expression of unanimous support for the resolution. And so he felt that it probably will have very little effect on either President Biden or the convention overall.
0: Well, certainly this host doesn't believe he is entirely incorrect. Perhaps the Chicago City Council's resolution itself will not be the biggest deal. But certainly the outcry from a large portion of the society concerning this conflict has changed how Congress, as well as the executive, have gone about looking at this conflict. That much, I think, goes without saying. We've seen it since, as you noted, the the horrific attack in October. But it will be interesting to see how it all plays out at the DNC. It will be in Chicago, as we have noted. And, sir, we'll talk about that when we get to it. But But, sir, that's going to be the end of our discussion for this week. Will you come back next week and talk to us more about all of the pressing matters that are going on across Illinois? And will you tell the folk how they can learn more about what's going on when we're not talking?
1: Yes, we cover these matters at IllinoisAnswers.org, the BGA's news website, and our policy team fighting for open and accountable government is at BetterGov.org.
0: You heard it here first, folks. Go and get some knowledge from the Better Government Association, and you'll be able to catch another wonderful discussion with David Greising and the host of Full Disclosure with the Better Government Association next week. Sir, we look forward to it. Talk to you soon. Thanks, Trent. We'll see you next week. Absolutely. Shining a light on Illinois state government. This is Full Disclosure with your host, Trent Nelson, and we are here, of course, with the president and CEO of the Better Government Association. His name is David Grising, and we look forward to hanging out with him and hanging out with you all again next week. We'll catch you soon.